This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To the cheese heads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And for the first time in four weeks, <laughs> we get to talk about a W, the Packers hosted the Rams on Sunday at Lambeau Field and beat them 20 to 3, left some points on the board. We'll talk about all of it, but Perry, it's Victory Monday. My God, man. How long has it been since we talked about a win? Oh, God. It feels good. Um, Was not perfect by any means, but, and I'm sure we will dive into it, but it was just so, so refreshing to see this team just like do some good things on the field, (laughs) just like put together some competent functional football for the first time in a number of weeks. Yeah. This team just, I feel like that's the identity of this Packers team this year is like, they can't get out of their own way. They're losing games. They probably should win. They're winning games. You maybe would have thought that they would lose. Like going into this week, I was like, Oh my God, Cooper cup and Puka Nakua are going to go for like 400 receiving yards. Like this is a banged up secondary. They just traded away Rasul Douglas. Like all these things are compounding. And the secondary has like the most explosive performance of the entire season. And we can save talking about the defense, but like, this team is such an enigma. Like, how are they so good at some things one week and then abysmal another week? And then you flip it around and like, let's talk about all the things that the offense did good. Let's start there. All right. You want to start with the offense. Okay. What stood out to you then the most? Aaron Jones touching the football, I think was probably the biggest takeaway here. And the fact that the Packers actually effectively ran the ball on the ground finished with what, like a hundred 184 Mm -hmm. rushing yards. The streak of the Packers winning football games when Aaron Jones gets double digit touches on the ball continues. He had 20 carries for 73 yards and a touchdown average 3.6 yards per carry, which like is fine for him. Um, But it's just like when he consistently touches the ball and is just on the field he changes this offense like instrumentally because then you look and you have AJ Dillon who had nine carries for 40 yards. 
They were on the field together quite often. Pony Package was alive and well. Um, Pony Package also set up the touchdown to Luke Musgrave that really daggered the game. Like, it just like everything. You know, there's a reason I think why Packers fans scream for more Aaron Jones. And it's not just because he is, you know, the most explosive weapon right now uh, and the most consistent weapon that Jordan Love has, but it's because of the ripple effect that he creates in this offense. When Aaron Jones is going, the rest of the run game is going. When the rest of the run game is going, the offense and the pass game can run smoothly. Matt LaFleur can open up the playbook a little bit more. He can run concepts that maybe he can't do when he only has one back to rely on in the game. Like this is an offense that relies on a multiple back, you know, rotational set. So it just offense looked just a little bit easier this Sunday, not perfect, not seamless. Like they still had plenty of moments that they would want back, but just a little bit easier. Yeah. And I mean, I think we've talked about it for weeks and that was one of the downsides of Aaron Jones dealing with the hamstring injury is the Packers offense became so one dimensional that it didn't matter that they had a running back. It was just, you knew that they were going to try to push the ball down the field. The deep balls weren't working. Nothing could click in the passing game because the run game wasn't an option or a threat. So defenses didn't have to respect it. Then you see what happens with an effective run game. And Jordan Love puts up a really, really good stat line. 26 attempts, 20 completions, 228 yards. Sacked four times, but one touchdown, long of 37. And then a rating of 115.5. No picks this week. So just a really solid performance. And those are the kind of things that you build off of. And it just, it shows you what the offense is supposed to look like. And like you said, definitely doesn't look easy. They definitely are still overcomplicating some things, but at least you get a glimpse of how things should function because we said week one, I mean, the Packers put up 38 points and yes, this is not a good bears team. This is not really a good Rams team, but wins are wins and it all builds and it all stacks and it all matters when it comes to developing your younger talent. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't think that this was like a game where Jordan Love like lit the world on fire, but it certainly like, and you, you just, you know, read his stats, like his day is made easier when he can rely on a really balanced and a really even um, game plan, which includes him kind of like riding his backs when need be and playing kind of that complimentary, like run pass offense. Um, And it's just like, it just felt like a, a little bit closer to where you expected this team to be going into this season, plenty of shooting themselves in the foot, right? Plenty of, you know, maybe some undeserved penalties if we really want to get into that conversation or not, but like plenty of things that, like I said, they'd want back, but like, I thought the O-line played much better also in the run game. They didn't protect him necessarily that well, but again, you're going up against like a literal generational talent in Aaron Donald. Um, So, okay. You knew he was going to get his, for the most part, Jordan Love was kept upright. Um, I think he probably has a handful of throws he would like back, but he also made some really nice throws and his receivers made some plays for him finally. So just like this is not, this was not perfect. Um, some drives still stalled out. Obviously, I think two of the drives, who knows what would have happened if the refs had allowed them to convert on their fourth downs (laughs) instead of taking them off the field. But I think it was a game that is very worthy of building off of. 
um, a lot of things that they're going to go back in and watch the tape and say, you know, we'd like to replicate that. And that looked really good. And that felt good. And let's do that again. Or, you know, maybe I want to place that ball a little bit, you know, in a, you know, Luke Musgrave caught it, but he fell down because the ball placement was just a little bit off. And this next time I want to do it a little bit differently, like things that are like very tangible. Um, so I'm hoping that this locker room feels like they can't, this is a stepping stone and they don't just feel dejected after punting the ball away all the time. Yeah. And I mean, I think it just shows too, like, this was a very balanced day for the offense. 10 first downs by runs, 10 first downs by passes after we were just talking about the one rushing first down against the Vikings. So they really came out and got everything going again. And like you said, I mean, we can't play the what if game with the refs because we don't know what would have happened, but this team should have had 23 points if Anders Carlson makes the field goal, could have had 30, potentially more, if you're thinking about what would have happened if those fourth and ones were converted and those drives kept going. Some really nice yeah. momentum, you know, building from this offense. And I will say it kind of reminds me, and I'm not comparing them as athletes, but it took Aaron Rodgers a long time to get used to the speed of MBS. And whenever I see Jordan Love and Christian Watson, that's what it reminds me of. Because Jordan is consistently underthrowing that deep ball just a little bit. And it's like they haven't figured out their timing yet. And the contesting catch was beautiful. Christian deserved that. I don't think it was the best throw of Jordan's career, obviously. And he got beat up catching that thing. But there's going to be a time where that connects and is easy and the ball's in the right spot. And I think they just have not yet figured out each other's rhythm where they're going to be on the field. Did you listen to Packaday today? Because Oh my God, that's funny. So obviously you and I are on the same exact page because we, Andy, Dusty and I discussed the deep ball issues and some of the um, commentary around Jordan's deep ball. And I made that exact that's point. Funny. Of course you did. Um, <laughs> I said like, you know, like, and, and, and even Rogers last season had the same issue with Christian, which yeah. was that like, when you have a guy who just has that level of speed, you're almost like, do I just need to like overthrow him? Like really feel like I'm overthrowing him. And it's the same exact feeling as with MVS. And I think part of it is timing. My feeling, and I'm, I'm, I feel like you probably feel the same way, is that with Jordan, like I don't think he, it's an inability to hit a deep ball because you saw plenty of bombs in college. Like he has the arm for it. I think it's just getting on the same page with his receivers. And, and I think it's like his deep ball to Romeo Dobbs or his versus his deep ball to Dontavian Wicks versus his deep ball to Luke Musgrave versus his deep ball to Christian Watson are all going to look very different because those are all extremely extraordinarily different athletes. And so you're just seeing the touch and the timing be a little bit off but I do think over the course of the season you're starting to see them hit them just a little bit more and again they're still not perfect I mean you meant you said it the contested catch to Christian Watson like maybe in the future that doesn't actually necessarily need to be contested like Christian right. definitely had to come back to the ball a little bit and same with Luke Musgrave like that that deep shot to Luke Musgrave not the touchdown this was previously to the touchdown like he stumbled a little bit after catching it because he had to kind of go up to it. And again, yeah. that could be Jordan trying to like lay it up over the defender. I don't know. But at the same time, like they're starting to hit them. Mm -hmm. Whether they're hitting them in stride or not is like, okay, let's get there next. And again, who knows? Maybe Jordan, yeah. maybe that's not something they ever get to and, and we'll find out. But 
baby steps, man. I mean, with this team, like that's all you can really ask for. So, and I think, and I, I guess that's my question to you is like, my biggest takeaway from this game on offense is just like, we finally got to see some like things that you've wanted to see from these young guys, right? You know, that the talent's there, you know, the athleticism's there, you know, it's all there. And you're just kind of like waiting for it to click. And you've been waiting for someone to like make a play, step up in a big moment. And there were a few of those. You finally started to see some of like the game plan clicking some drives, finally coming together and ending up in touchdowns. And again, like, it was only two touchdowns. Like we're not getting like overly excited, but it was a touchdown in the first half. It was a touchdown in the second half. I thought the Luke Busgrave touchdown was a gorgeous play design. So you're just getting a little bit more glimpses into like what this team could be. And look, it's week nine. So they're certainly behind the eight ball in terms of timing, but we've just wanted to see them have some kind of like incremental improvement over the course of the season. And it's been really dejecting to watch there be none. And this was the first week where we finally saw some. And that yeah. was great. I think we talked about this a little bit too in kind of the off season going into the preseason where we had high expectations for this team and what they could be. But this schedule is also very accommodating for a young offense trying to figure themselves out. They're going into probably their toughest stretch of the season when you have the Steelers, the Chargers, the Lions, and then the Chiefs. Like, that's a really, really tough sledding for four games. Mm -hmm. But then you've got the Giants, who just lost their quarterback for the season. You've got Tampa Bay, who's kind of slogging it out. Baker Mayfield is there. You've got the Panthers with a really young Bryce Young. So, like, this is the kind of schedule where you ease into it and you kind of get over all those bumps in the road. I mean... We talked about the playoffs. What? You hope. <laughs> right, hope, yeah. And I mean, I think we've seen that from from this team all season. We're like, we said like, oh, it's the Falcons or oh, it's the Broncos and oh, it's the Raiders. And then, you know, it doesn't go the way that you expect it to. But it is nice to see them start to put these things together because it's going to be some tough sledding here in the next couple of weeks. And I think you want to see that they have plenty that they can build off of, which they showed this week. Yeah, I mean, they have to build off of it, right? Like this can't be just like a one-off game. Right, where the Rams just happen to be like also not a good team. And so they just like beat up on a bad team, which again, it's good to see them beat up on a bad team because they've been losing to bad teams. So again, it, yep. this is incremental improvement. Um, and if they lose to all those teams that you mentioned, you know, if they lose to the Chargers, they lose to the Chiefs, like fine. I just, again, want to see some like competent functioning drives from this offense, like put together a handful of drives where things are really clicking um, just look a little bit better each week than you did the week before. And we're, we're starting to cook with some gas. Um, one other thing before I guess we switch over, unless you have additional thoughts is I was looking at the stats here and I just still, I, re I really love the way, and this could be Matt. It also is probably a little bit of Jordan as well going through his progressions, but like, they're really still spreading the ball around to all the mm -hmm. receivers. He's not so focused on one receiver. And that, that could be just like, as Packers fans, we're very used to having that like number one that our quarterback would always throw to. And that was amazing. Um, and we don't really have a number one right now, or it's just like the way this offense is running at the moment, but it's really fun to see what it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, no, Malik didn't have the catch. 
eight guys involved in the passing game. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's really fun. So again, like we're definitely trying to like pick through some still pretty ugly football to find some good stuff, but there are good things and there were good things in this game. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, you know, I noticed, especially in the first half, which, you know, you can argue it didn't amount to many points, but I thought Jordan was taking more of what the defense was giving him. And I think part of that was because the run game was finally starting to work, but we had seen so many times previously the deep shot or the like triple coverage, just kind of prayer throw because he felt like he had to get something going. And it felt like there were a lot more like five yards, six yards, just keep yourself in front of the sticks, like give yourself the second and manageable and the third and manageable instead of, you know, backing yourself up and it's second and 10 and third and 15 because of penalties. Like I thought that that was really promising, especially in the first half, less so in the second half. But the last thing I wanted to mention just really quickly before we talked about the defense was these penalties, right? Like they had 11 penalties last week for 99 yards better quote unquote this week, eight penalties for 57 yards, but whether they win or lose the rest of the season, I think that's the kind of stuff we want to talk about getting cleaned up, right? You said incremental improvements on offense. It has to also start with the penalties. And I think a couple of them were bogus. Like I think the fourth and ones were really crappy calls, but like the Dontavian Wicks fumble, that wasn't a penalty, but it was another kind of like rookie mistake. And you know that he's not going to make that same mistake again. So those are the kind of things I think that you hope to see clean up. And I think that the Packers know that they need to clean that up. And I think that does get cleaned up. A hundred percent. I am with you there. Like, look, you don't want to reward guys for going from 11 penalties to eight penalties. That's still eight too many penalties. Uh, we'll call it six. Okay. Cause I, I, I really do think those two offsides were total bullshit. And like, I'm not really one to get mad at referees, but like, to me, that was just utter complete bullshit. Um, they, this is a team and it's, this is especially an offense that, once they even commit, you know, a five backing themselves up five yards, it it kind of sets the entire like series off. Um, And it it almost leads to them punting on every single occasion. And so not to say that they, the need to be perfect in order to score is there, but like it kind of is, you know, it is. So yes, I'm a hundred percent with you. Like, it's better, but guys, you pretty much need no penalties and no turnovers. Like, well, obviously no turnovers, but like, you know what I mean? Like you need an actual perfect driver. You are not backing yourselves up in order to score. So every time you do this, you know, you're basically taking points off the board, like for yourselves. Yeah. So let's talk about then this defensive performance, because I have a lot of thoughts. I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts held the Rams who of course were led by a backup quarterback. Yeah. And I just, I thought it was the the best kind of day for the defense. I thought it was the kind of game that they needed. And again, not a good football team, but they've lost to some not good football teams. So this was the kind of game that I think they needed, especially for just like camaraderie. I'm sure that it was a really tough loss to see Russell Douglas get traded at the deadline So for them to come out resilient the way that they did and play as hard as they did, I liked what I saw, especially from the 2023 draft class. Yeah. Um, Again, like, you know, you look at this season, I have a few, I definitely have a lot of thoughts on this. One, caveat everything I'm about to say with anytime you hold any NFL offense to three points, it's a good day. 
you know, it doesn't matter. It's a backup quarterback or it's Patrick Mahomes. Like, oh, well, if it's Patrick Mahomes, it's an amazing day. But like anytime you hold anyone to three points, like uh, that's a job well done. Um, I'm not throwing them like a ton of flowers and I'm certainly not still sitting here like Joe Barry deserves to keep his job after today because like, no, let's be real. It was Brett Ripon. But you mentioned it before. They have two very, very good receivers. And even with a backup quarterback, those two receivers did pretty much nothing. And, you know, we saw in the Broncos game, and I think, you know, Russell Wilson is obviously a very different quarterback and he's on like the wrong end of his career. But in a vet sense, he really went and picked on Carrington Valentine. And um, the Broncos were able to really move the ball against the secondary. And it was Rasul, not Jair in the game, but still same, same idea where you have your like very good vet on the boundary and your rookie getting picked on. And it was abundantly clear to me that Carrington Valentine learned something from that game because he came in with a ton of aggression um, and had himself like, you know, kind of a coming out party. And for morale's sake, yeah, I mean, this team could have very easily been like, wow, our vocal leader, he's gone. He's been playing like some of the best football this sucks. Like we suck. This team sucks. We're sub 500. Like why even bother? And they did the exact opposite. Like they really came out and like really showed up um, and allowed the offense to, they did what we we've wanted this defense to do this entire season, which is like buy the offense as much time as they've needed to put together a handful of drives in order to win the game. Um, and again, it's against a bad team. But you can only take what's in front of you, you know, what opponent is there on the field in front of you. And um, I was just really impressed um, with the energy level and the aggression, um, because that's just not something that we've seen uh, at all this season. And I am curious how you feel about like a lot of the young guys, because I mentioned Carrington, but like pretty much every either rookie or second year player had like a huge moment in this game. Yeah. And I mean, something that I mentioned on pack a day yesterday, um, we gave out our game balls and Andrews went to Carrington Valentine and mine went to Anthony Johnson jr. Because, you know, I thought Jonathan Owens also played a really good game, but you're down your two starting safeties. Darnell Savage is on IR. Rudy Ford can't go. And all of a sudden you're throwing two guys in there. And that, like we said, you're going up against Puka Nakua, Cooper cup, like that could have blown the top off of the secondary. And it's mm-hmm. had 10 passes defensed. They had yeah. 27 going into this week. Like that's where was that? You know, like where was this energy? And they fed off of it. Valentine had a ton. Jair had the tip that led to the Anthony Johnson Jr. pick. Like that kind of energy, it revitalizes a team. And we saw that. And, you know, we can talk about special teams a little bit here, but it just felt like all three phases were finally working together. Keyshawn Nixon had a couple really nice returns that gave the Packers offense really good field position even though they didn't capitalize on a couple of those with some some fumbles and some turnovers. But yeah, like you said, every player it felt like on defense had a moment. Colby Wooden got in there for a huge stop. Carl Brooks got in there for some really nice opportunities. Sometimes it feels like we forget about Lucas Van Ness as the first round pick because he's the first round pick and all these like day three guys are just showing out. So we're like, oh yeah, we did take a guy in the first round that also plays defense, but just a really, really good day for the young guys. And that's what I think makes it so exciting because at this point, you're not really measuring your wins and losses. You're measuring the guys that are going to be there for the next four years. And there's a lot to like about some of the guys that are going to be there for the next four years. 
That was so well said. I could not agree more. It, it was just like, what is the future of this team? And, you know, you lose Sewell. That sucks. You know, you don't have Quay in there, which also really sucks. Um, I thought Devondre had another, like, really nice day for the vets. But you want to see what the young guys got. I mean, Goot has put in so much capital on this side of the ball and they have such a young defense and you kind of got to see like what the future of this defense could potentially look like um if all of these like first and second year starters you know get full opportunities to play you know more snaps than they have been um the last thing i'll say about this is i think i kind of underestimated potentially how hurt jair has been yeah the last couple of weeks um, it was just like made abundantly clear to me how healthy he must be now because he looked so much more like himself um, than he had the last few weeks. And, and again, like I've, I've never had a back injury. I don't even know what kind of back injury he had. I can't imagine it's um, at all easy to play through any kind of back injury, but um, he clearly was must've been playing through some kind of pain because you could see him back to being his full, you know, John money self um, and showing up. And I mean, Matt gave him the game ball in the locker room after, after the game and, and, you know, you lose a Sewell and you're like, okay, who, who, who is going to step up for this team in terms of like that presence in that room. And your answer is Jair. And I think, He's um, an interesting personality, but his play on the field speaks for itself, I think, in terms of, like, how you want to model your game. And that's the kind of game that this team got out of him this week. Um, and it's really all you can ask for. Yeah, I mean, like, you can see the closeness between Jair and Carrington Valentine. All of the handshakes and, you know, the different uh, gestures that they make. And, like, there, there's a very closeness, I think, in that uh, in that corner room. And I agree with you though. Like I noticed that right away, just even like his ability to, to break up the ball, his tip drill, when he like completely arched all the way back, he tied for the team lead and tackles with seven. Like he was throwing his body around. Yeah. And I just physically don't think that he could have moved like that the last couple of weeks with the way yeah. that his back was acting up. So really promising to get him back. We talked about Jonathan Owens, you know, had a sack, which was really fun. I thought that Isaiah McDuffie had a really, really good day filling in for Quay Walker. So just a lot of promise there. Like Rashawn Gary was Rashawn Gary. There's guys that you expect to always show up. But I think, you know, there was some concern going into this game. Like, uh-oh, there's some big shoes to fill with some key role players on defense. And didn't really miss a beat, which was which is really cool yeah. to see. Very next man up mentality on this team. Always has been. Mm -hmm. um, continues to be. Um just oh, good, good, good to see a win. Um, agree with you, by the way, on special teams. Um, and it, it is, it's pretty amazing when you play like, and it wasn't even like particularly incredible complimentary football, just like your average level of complimentary football. And it just leads to winning. It's like we said in the DMs, we're like, does everybody get a game ball or are we just watching average football and we're so spoiled by it that, yeah. <laughs> that we're like, our glasses are like a little rosy right now. And it wasn't even like that great of a game, but we're just like, oh my God, where has this been the last couple weeks? Because if they play this way, and I think that's what's frustrating, right? 
is we talked about this team potentially being a playoff team. And I'm not talking about the playoffs anymore this season. Like none of that stuff matters. But if they played the way that they played against the Rams, against like the Broncos and the Raiders, you win those games. Yeah. So like, it's nice to see them put it together now, but it's just like, where, where has it been? Like what has changed? And I think maybe your answer is healthy Jair, healthy Aaron Jones, things like that. Yeah, you can only look forward, but it's hard not to see some of those games as potential like missed opportunities for sure. So do we want to do favorite play, stock up, stock down? Yeah, let's do it. So who let's start with game balls. Who gets your game ball? Um wow, there's so many people that could <laughs> get my game ball. Um Who gets, I'm going to give it to Luke Musgrave. He had the most receiving yards of all the offensive players, um, only by two over Dontavian Wicks, but with 51 and his first career touchdown. We've been waiting for the Tud. So go 88. Yeah. I'm going to say Aaron Jones, which feels like cheating because it's Aaron Jones, but all season we have talked about the kind of impact we expected him to make on the offense, how, you know, he was going to be the key in the ignition for this offense, like he was going to make it go. You've got so many young players and he was going to be the reliable piece. And of course the injury factored into that quite a bit and being on a pitch count, but nice to see him healthy and getting his touches and making an impact because that's, I think we're starting to see now what this offense can look like and should look like when it's at full strength. So he'll get my game ball. Who would you say then is your stock up for the week? Stock up. Oh my, there are a few. Um, I mean, it probably has to be Carrington Valentine if he wasn't going to get my yeah. game ball simply because like he's looking now at being like your starting outside corner, at least for this foreseeable future until Eric Stokes comes back. So, um, and he put together a hell of a performance. You know, he's definitely making the case to keep that job. Um, so, yeah, hell yeah, for Carrington. This one stings a little bit because my stock up was going to be Yash Nyman. And then he got hurt and Rashid Walker had to come back in. And I, to be fair, you know, the broadcast had even said like really nice block from Rashid Walker there coming in at left tackle. So he did have a good game, right? He he wasn't the liability that he had been in previous weeks. So I think Yash would have gotten my game ball, but or my stock up, but we don't know the severity of his injury. We don't know if he'll be back. So I guess maybe the offensive line as a whole can get a collective stock up because they had a really pretty promising performance considering they were going up against a, what, seven-time All-Pro in Aaron Donald. So mm-hmm. who gets your stock down then for this week? Sometimes I mean, it is tough. I mean, I want to say it's John Rondon Jr., I just feel like he has not had a great season and I know he was out of the game for injury, but they put Sean Ryan in and Sean Ryan was kind of trucking guys. So I don't know what the answer is here. And I think some shuffling along the offensive line is inevitable when your team's not doing particularly well and you have a lot of injuries, but man, I don't know if that 
right guard spot is like as locked up as we thought it was going into the season. I said something to Mark right when uh, Sean Ryan came in, but I was like, can you imagine getting like your first NFL snaps and it's just against Aaron Donald? Like what it has to feel like to just trot out into the red zone and you're like, wait, what? It's like, I got to block him. <laughs> so kudos to him, of course, for doing that because he was, I think he was in right on the Aaron Jones touchdown. So he was, yes. he was a people mover in that moment. So that was really impressive to see. Um, I think, unfortunately, the stock down has to go to Anders Carlson because the last couple weeks now we've seen some some misses. And I mean, we knew it was going to happen, right? It's his rookie season. He was he was too perfect, too perfect for too long, flew too close to the sun with his 100 percent success rate. Um, but yeah, getting into the cold weather here at Lambeau, a lot of that will be coming down. So want to see improvement, I guess, in that aspect, especially because your offense is finally getting you into field position to score some points. So let's score some points. Um, favorite play then to wrap this thing up. Favorite play. There were a few actually. Um, I mean, this is going to sound weird. Cause like there's, a, I mean, obviously like I've already mentioned how much I love the Luke Musgrave TD. Um, and of course the, the Jonathan Owens kind of fumble with Dre recovery is great, but there was this one catch that Romeo Dobbs made and no one's going to talk about it, but it was the strongest hands catch. I think I have seen like in a long time and look, Romeo, I'm not sure why has been like a subject of like a lot of debate on Twitter about like whether people think that he's a true, whatever the fuck Romeo has been the most consistent receiver on this team by far and away all season and all he ever does when he gets the ball is make plays and like this it was I think it was for a first down this catch I don't even remember if it was on a touchdown drive it doesn't matter to me he shows up in big moments all the time he makes contested catches he has strong hand he does everything asked of him um, and I am just like I'm picturing his fingers right now just like plucking the ball out of the air um, I know you know which one I'm talking about. So that to me, just like, I don't know. It just more it was more like a, just kind of like a microcosm of everything he is as a player. I love that you mentioned that because the second that that play was made, I tweeted about it. And I said that he just has the strongest hands. And you're right. Like, who cares if he's not your wide receiver one, wide receiver two? He could be wide receiver six. And if he goes out there and that's the kind of contribution that he makes, it doesn't matter because he's making plays for the football team. So like this idea that we have to like find labels for all of these players and fill their role. We've always talked about Matt LaFleur is not really like if your role is doing your 111th effectively, you're going to see the field and you're going to get the football. And I think that's been evident this year more than any other season because that's what they need to do this year is figure out who the role players are going to be on this team moving forward. So, yeah, I really like that play a lot. I thought the Jaden Reed kind of, you know, 21 yard, like end around was really fun too. Cause that kind of felt like Matt LaFleur was just like in his bag, you know, like we would talked about like, Oh, he's got all these, these tricks that we want to see him roll out. I did like that. They tried the brotherly shove did not like that. It you know <laughs> didn't work twice. I took some blame for that on pack a day since I called it the Lambo bleep and said they were going to try it and something was going to go wrong. So that's probably my fault that it happened twice, but I, I like that kind of borrowing from the league, right? Like you see something that's working, you see it being done creatively and you implement that. 
Okay, it's not that it didn't go right because it was improperly executed. It was properly executed. Was. The refs just took it off the board. So I say they should continue to go for it. I think that maybe this is something that's going to now be like very scrutinized. Like maybe every time Philly lines up now, the refs are going to be like just really eyeing down the line to see. The touch push? If, yeah, the neutral zone. Like maybe that's how they're going to get around it. They can't outlaw the play. But maybe they're just going to be like really finicky and nitpicky now about about the neutral zone. I'm not going to say good. They should because I'm here for like as little refereeing as possible, quite frankly. But if you're going to referee a play, just at least do it consistently. Right. And that that's where the outrage came in, right? Because we had seen clear evidence of it not being that way for other teams. But any final thoughts on this Packers win, this victory Monday that we finally get to talk about for the first time since September 24th? Since you and I saw each other in We're person. At the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Look, it, I'm not too high on the win, right? It, obviously, it feels great to see the Packers get a dub in that category. I think more than anything, it just feels good to see them, like, start to put some things together and, like, start to have some things click. And, like, all I want to see now is for them to, like, build off of this and, like, start to get some no- some momentum. And, sure, going up against this – like, the Steelers aren't, like, lighting the world on fire. So, like, it's possible to continue to do this um, going into next weekend. And, like, you and I will look ahead at the Steelers game together later this week, um, which I'm very excited about. But it just, like – Oh God, I just like hope that this is kind of a game that like turns this season in the right direction and isn't an enigma. Yeah. I mean, like this is not the start of a run the table kind of season where this is a Super Bowl caliber team. Like that's not what we're talking about here. We're not getting too high about a win, but I think it's also really important to acknowledge that there were good moments to build on because that's again, I think, (laughs) what did we say? The word evaluation like 37 times on the last, uh, last recap show, but yeah, it's an evaluation year and everything you're putting on tape now helps you to further evaluate these players that you have to make some really significant decisions on with half of a season left to do it, a little less than half a season now. So thank you as always for listening to the show. Like Perry said, we will be back later this week to talk about the Packers and the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Packers traveling away for the first time in a couple weeks. You can find the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter and Maggie J. Loney. You can find the podcast on all other socials at Packs What She Said. Please subscribe on YouTube if you have not already. We're really close to hitting the thousand subscriber mark, which is really cool and exciting for us since we're new to the YouTube scene. And as always, you can subscribe to the show, listen everywhere you get your favorite podcasts in the audio format, and download those shows because that helps our listening numbers as well. So thank you, as always, for listening to a Victory Monday episode of Packs What She Said. Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go!